Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. Seeking the truth, exposing the lies. Remember, together, we are unstoppable. Keep on digging. I forgot to mention that. So the Bloc Québécois, uh, if anybody doesn't know too much about Canada, actually, I believe it's one-third of Canadians are French, and they pretty much almost strictly exist within Quebec itself. Now, in Ontario, there is a good crossover, but we have two official languages, French and English. And yeah, the Quebec actually have, I think they usually get, I don't know, DM, I don't even know what they got last time, something like 12, 13%, I think, of the vote. But uh, yeah, they, they do have some sway. And the French, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's like, a, it's like a separate country within a country. So. That's all I'll leave it at. Yeah. I've always been interested by that and don't know much about it at all. Yeah, I'm so far yeah. to the West. I don't really, um, like the French Canadians actually, because I live right up near the Rockies, right by um, mm-hmm. the mountains. And a lot of them like to come out here too, especially the younger ones. We get a lot of, like if you go to the mountains, a lot of them, uh, a lot of the towns are filled with uh, uh, Aussie, like Australian and New Zealand kids and uh, Quebec, Quebec kids. There's a lot of because the, they all want to go snowboarding, right? So yeah, there's a lot. There's a big right. culture of the Commonwealth and the French kids, and they all every every restaurant, every boutique, every you know Gap or whatever. When you're shopping around there, almost all of them run those stores. You just see these kids from all over, and because uh, they all they just become um, snowboard bums during the the winter, and then they just uh, wash dishes and do mountain biking during the summer, and, and they usually go back to their country right. after. But yeah. Interesting. Got another message from Elusive Patronus. Right. I always find these conversations regarding healthcare systems around the world to be really interesting um, and also slightly alarming. But I'll be honest, I come from a place of ignorance. I live in Scotland, so we have universal healthcare, but I, I don't know how much medication costs because we're not charged for it. I don't know how much operations cost or anything like that in a hospital because I'll never see a bill for that um, but you've got certain aspects like dentistry that aren't covered here as well which are actually about to be brought in and then covered um, and we also like give out boxes to every new family who are expecting a baby it has like, all the essentials that a baby would need in the first six months of its life so like bibs, clothes, um, blankets, a mattress or that sort of stuff, or that good stuff. Yeah, That's it's just interesting and really weird sometimes to see and hear other perspectives. That's interesting, Elusive. Yeah, so I have a question about that too. So I noticed that the that the um, per capita units are done via uh, the United Kingdom. So is that, oh, it says here, healthcare in the United Kingdom is a devolved matter with England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales each having their own systems of publicly funded healthcare, funded by an, an accountable to separate governments and parliaments together with smaller private uh, interests. Okay, so that is separate. That's why I was curious if it was funded by the entire United Kingdom or if Scotland had its own, but it sounds like it's funded by Scotland itself. So interesting. That's, uh, that's interesting. It is. We've got a message from Paradoxy. So the United States pays more per person than any of these developed countries. And we conclude that the United States does not want to help people's health care. 
it's the dilemma for sure. Um, yeah, it's we've pointed out here, Americans pay. I mean, uh, God, I said sometimes three thousand dollars. So if you round this this up to almost, I bet this is twenty nineteen. So I bet Americans are spending almost twelve thousand dollars per capita. So in some cases, like in the in in Spain, and I'm, I think they have universal health care, but I don't quote me on that. You're paying almost four times as much as some of these other countries, right? Double yeah, yeah. or even you know three times as much in certain cases, but in some cases, four times as much, and you don't get nearly the coverage these other countries do. And like I said, in Canada, and DIM can confirm this, and I was reading through this one article here, we don't have as many specialists as you do in America. We have far more GPs, general practitioners. So I can just walk in and talk to a doctor, even if it's not my specific doctor, because you can go get a doctor. If I'm feeling really unwell, I can go to a doctor and just do, they're called walk-in clinics. Now, sometimes the waits are a little bit longer because it's just, you know, your, your specific doctor, you can book an appointment and you can, you know, probably be there within a week. If you need to go somewhere, you could probably end up spending like two to three to four hours probably waiting in these walk-in clinics, but you will get in and they can write you a prescription that day. So, and then off you go, you get your prescription, like we said, up to, up to, or sometimes over 80% is covered. If I need medication that day, uh, I can head to my local pharmacy and I can end up spending for something for a hundred dollars. You can spend usually maybe eighteen to twenty-five dollars, depending on what it is. So, or even less. Uh, I just, I just pulled up an article. I was, I was curious um, to see what a broken leg costs without insurance. And uh, this is from a uh, an attorney site. Excuse me, one second. I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah. From Sobo and Sobo injury lawyers in New York. Average cost of a of a broken leg seventeen thousand dollars if you're uninsured. Wow. Um, my uncle before he passed away, he went to Ireland. He was born in Ireland, then he went back. You know, he was in his early eighties, I believe. And you know, after a good night at the pub, he fell down the stairs and broke his leg. <laughs> um, and he wasn't even an Irish citizen at that point, but he was born there. And they they fixed him up for free. Didn't yeah. cost him a dime. Yeah, I broke my arm when I was a kid. Went in, got the cast, had the cast taken off. Didn't cost me anything. Wow, seventeen thousand wow. dollars! Unbelievable. That is this. That is the price of a small new car. <laughs> right. Put that exactly. In That's the price you could outright pay for a new car, a small new car, brand new. Yeah. Right. Got another message from Paradoxy. Do do rich people in these countries, or even like Canada, do they come to the United States for care, or do they they um, stay in their own country to do it? Yep. So um, this is one of the common myths that uh, a lot of the um, media will stir up to scare you away from talking about universal health care. Is that uh, Canadians are coming down? to america for surgery now there's truth to that and where where a lot of the confusion is is it's almost always for specialist elective surgery and it's always for uh, for the most part it tends to be for a lot of cosmetic surgery too so there's a ton more plastic surgeons in america than there are in canada and then there are also sometimes it may be faster to get on the list because you do have more specialists in america right we have more general practitioners 
per capita, you have more specialists. So in some cases, it is faster to head down to the States. Um, but there are also two, I mean, I used to sell cars for about 10 years. And there are, I had a doctor that would buy from me continuously. There are private clinics here in Canada too, just like in America, that you can, as a very rich person, can pay to have a doctor on 24-7 for, uh, you know, top-notch, top-notch surgery, whatever you want, basically. You can pay out the nose for it if you want. You can have access to that whenever you need it. And uh, that is available here too. So, um, but for the most part, if you need something here in Canada, it's taken care of. And depending on where you're at, uh, again, too, I'm sure we have our problems. There can be wait times, but um, it's not going to you're not going to go bankrupt here. That's going to be the one thing to remember. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and wait times for things that are non life threatening. Right. That's right. That's right. Right. For for life threatening, you just walk in. Right. What are you saying? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You can go into yeah. emergency at any point in time. You can call an ambulance. Now, in my province specifically, ambulances cost $450. So there is a cost to that. But uh, I mean, again, too, I, I think they're fighting to get it back uh, covered under the province. But, uh, you know, if you if that's all you have to pay to get yourself between life and death, then I guess that's still better. I mean, you know, paying for broken arm, broken leg, or, you know, having a heart attack, $450 is right. a small cost to get you there. So, Right. Yeah, well, and it costs that it costs the same here, but then you're going to be paying once you get to the hospital as well for a whole different <laughs> bill. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you got just, another message from DIM. Uh, no, you are correct again. Um, Canada does have a lot of general practitioners, which is why uh, those in the medical field who decide to pursue uh, something quote-unquote specialized make a hell of a lot more money than yep. just your regular general practitioners. Yep. And we do have an issue with our nurses and our doctors want to go to America. They do. They're, that is, was an issue for quite some time and still is, I think, to some degree that they know that they can get more um, down in the United States because there's there's a lot more pay down there for that sort of thing. Now, again, uh, I, all the nurses I know, they make pretty, I mean, some of these starting out nurses here in Canada. So what they get paid in America must be uh, incredible because one of the nurses I knew, when she came right out of school, she made like $80,000 to start. Like, I mean, and then full coverage. Yeah. And they, get, they get like, they get a month uh, paid vacation every year, a month that they can scatter over. Or they can take the uh, three of them that I knew. They all went to Thailand together at the same time. They just took a month off, all paid for. So, wow. Yeah, they don't live a tough life. So, I, I think within a few years, you're making 100000 as a nurse here. So, for them to be escaping that kind of money and heading south, it, it must be something incredible down there. So, which is great. Well, I, I want to see all healthcare workers make lots of money. I do. I think that's where yeah. the money should be spent. Healthcare, yeah. teachers, as do I. yeah, yeah. I don't have a problem with them making money doing that. I'd have no problem. No, I just want the I just want the greed taken out of the equation. The pharmaceutical yeah. companies need to be reined in, and the the middleman needs to be nipped out of the out of the equation. We don't need insurance companies to be a middleman between the customer and the government. Exactly. 
Got another message from Paradoxy here. Oh, I wanted to mention real quick though that I knew a uh, delivery nurse at a at a good hospital in San Francisco, and and she did not get health coverage with her job. Wow! Right, wow. working at a hospital at a nice hospital in San Francisco, and she did not have coverage. Wow! Paradoxy. Wow. What is the average length of time to see a doctor in Canada? Uh, well, like I said, you can, there, there are walk-in clinics, so you can walk in. Now, you can get your own personal doctor, um, which sometimes, depending on their schedule, depending on how busy they are, that can take maybe a week or two weeks to see them. Um, or shorter, shorter, too. Sometimes you can get on the list. It can be faster. Uh, again, CIM can correct me if I'm wrong, but there are walk-in clinics. So you do not need to have a personal doctor to just walk in that day. Your wait can be anywhere from, it could be anywhere from honestly 10 minutes to four hours probably on average. Um, it just depends on what time you're going. But yeah, if you need to see a doctor right away, there are walk-in clinics. There are 24-hour walk-in clinics. And if you really need something right away too, you can go to your local hospital and just go into the emergency. You can tell them that it's not an emergency, but you need to see somebody based on, I don't feel well or I've got chest pains. Um, and you'll see a doctor right away too. So. There's, there's lots right. of ways to see a doctor instantly without having to pay for it. Yeah, so this the, the, his question hints at the level of propaganda and brainwashing that we receive here in the U.S. Because we're told that, you know, if you need a new kidney, it's going to be a two to six week wait. You know, yeah. no, like you said, you just walk in. You might have to wait a few hours, but I've had to wait three hours to get stitches as I'm sitting there bleeding in the, in the hospital here. <laughs> yeah. And then this is strictly anecdotal, but I was telling uh, Dave here that uh, my girl's sister, uh, she's got like, I, she has having an issue with, I guess, a blood clot. She called Friday and she's got an appointment booked with a specialist for Tuesday, which as DIM can even tell you, even for me, I was like, wow, that's even fast for Canada. Like, so Sometimes, depending on the severity of the issue or depending on uh, your doctor or whatever, you can see somebody very quickly or it could be a couple of weeks, I guess, depending. Like, they're going to ask you, you know, what currently is the issue, what's going on, and they'll probably gauge and kind of make their assessment of how serious they think it is. But if you need to see somebody pretty quick, it can be arranged that way, too. Yeah, so Mythbusters. <laughs> uh, we got Paradoxy again. Appreciate the messages, guys. Yeah. Yeah, here in uh, New Mexico, I work for a hospital and uh, um, in the HR department. And we're offering our RNs $25,000 signing bonuses on your first check. They do start them at $85,000 fresh out of high school. And uh, they do get... 25 days of PTO um, paid time off. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, exactly. That's even more than what they make here. So, 25000 signing bonus and $85,000. So, you, your first year, you're making, you're clearing 100000 So, yeah, like for us, it's about 80000 and then the pay goes up. Uh, but I would say the, these girls were like 25. And they must be making, by the time they're 30, they must be making 100000 Easy, easy. So, I mean, getting into nursing, it's a, and then, like I said, 25 days paid vacation. Who wouldn't take that? 
It's a great, great job. Great day. Well, and they, but they do work a lot. Don't get me wrong, though. Too. They work a lot of hours. They work late hours. They see a lot of stuff. So it's not when a, they're not exactly. dancing on TikTok, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that killed me. Like in the peak of the pandemic, I'm seeing nothing but nurses dancing on TikTok. Like, wow, really? Yeah, I, I wasn't that sure was if they were exhausted or if they're just bored, but yeah, who knows? But uh, hey, hey, got... hey, Rickson. what's going on, Groovy? What's going on, Rickson? Couple new people in the house. We're talking about healthcare, U.S. versus Canada, kind of dispelling some myths with a real live Canadian here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... sorry, oh, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I've been brainwashed and programmed to think that it's lesser care, that uh, inferior care when you get it, that you're going to have to wait to get it. Um, and that, you know, a lot of people come to the U.S. for certain procedures. And what you're telling me is people come to the U.S. for elective procedures. You want a new set of tits or something like that? Yeah, you might go down to the U.S. Yeah. Um, but if but if you need treatment, you can walk in. You can walk to right in. If you don't, you know, if you want to see your own doctor, maybe a couple of weeks, depending, you know, or in the case of uh, depending on the severity of the issue. But as with a blood clot, your partner's sister, boom, what was that? Two uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days, boom, including a weekend. Yeah, including a weekend over two business yeah, days. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And then the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is I, I was reading, and I'll try and find the articles here, but a lot of Americans can't afford their own health care. So because of that, they'll end up going to countries like India. I think it was a heart transplant or something like that they were doing. And a, and a woman died. Um, okay. Let me see if I can find this before I just start anecdotally saying it. Here, let me just see this. I'm right. Um, traveling to other countries for healthcare, right? And that they're 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 putting their 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 lives in these other third world countries, um, and they're they're not able to get as good of healthcare service because they can't afford it within their own country. Um, let me see if I can find it. I should call it developing countries, by the way. That's, I'm well, trying to get I know that's a huge thing with dental care. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people in the U.S. go to Mexico and Costa Rica and Panama to get dental care. Yeah, that's right. So, I see on, I have, a, I have a guilty pleasure. What are those two doctors on, um, uh there's there's a it's a it's a it's just a trash tv show uh, we sort of find it and i like it <laughs> it's those two doctors they're 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 surgeons they're plastic surgeons in america but they get all these cases of all these these especially women that uh go to get um, breast implants lip injections things down the states and these guys see all these horror stories coming back up because these women wanted to say you know Two, three, four, five thousand dollars, just even for uh, cosmetic surgery compared to the United oh States. Oh my God! Too. There's some things you don't want to save money on. No. <laughs> um, I have a like secondhand story. So 
you know, speaking of going other places to get care, so I have a low back injury, um, L5 disc, and my health coverage, they the only option they're giving me is fusion. So they'll basically take a metal plate and screw it to a bunch of vertebrae, releasing, you know, um, reducing my mobility. And then I'm sure I would have constant pain for from from then on out from having a piece of metal literally screwed to a number of different vertebrae. Oh right. Um, a friend of That's a friend went to Switzerland and he was able to get uh, stem cell therapy. So they took a titanium frame of a disc, injected it with stem cell and it grew a new disc and they inserted, you know. So he wow. has he's good as good as new with a brand new disc. But here, you know, we won't even allow stem cell therapy. They'll just or, or not on a not on a wide level. You can you can get it in a private market, but it's it's um fifteen hundred dollars per injection. Wow. And you need like ten of them. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Um I don't even know what the I don't know. I don't. I think we have stem cell here, but I don't know. That is still a very new technology, I believe, for a lot of countries. So I'd be interested. I would have to look that up. Yeah. That's that is. Terrible. I was watching okay. a. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to quickly say, is that so that that's the only thing they'll cover, or is so they'll cover the fusing, or yeah, they'll they'll oh wow that's yeah that's. That's a tragedy. We get one option, the, the Frankenstein option. Exactly. And it's the most prehistoric option there is. Like I went to a chiropractor and he he was describing like that four different options, the least invasive being that they just uh, put one screw in, in the right strategically placed and it prevents, it, it adds space where the disc used to be. So it prevents that bone on bone Right. Um, which is what causes the pain when the bones pinch the nerve. Right, right, right. And I mentioned that to my healthcare provider, Kaiser, and they said, oh, no, we don't do that. We just do fusing. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Oh, okay. That, that's. I won't be going that, to you until I can't walk then. No kidding. So there's this other one from the Harvard Business Review that I got. The strategy that will fix healthcare by Michael E. Porter and Thomas H. Lee. Uh, October 2013. Um, what do they say down here? So they they have a, like they have they have five steps of how to adjust this, um, which is interesting. There's one part down here basically that I'm basing what you had set off of. Um, number two is that uh, measuring outcomes that matter to patients. So outcomes should be measured by medical conditions such as diabetes, not by specialty, podiatry, or intervention, eye examination. Outcomes should cover the full cycle of care for the condition and track the patient's health status after care is completed. The outcomes that matter to patients for a particular medical condition fall into three tiers, so on and so forth, so goes on. But I thought that was really interesting, too, because that's exactly it. Certain companies are covering certain procedures because that's all that's covered under what they're willing to pay for. It should be the focus right. on what is the outcome of your health that is going to be important. And that is what the system should be focusing on. Thank you. Instead of the cheapest method of performing said, you know, procedure. Yeah. These, these, these insurance companies down in the States are saying, 
what is the cheapest thing that we're willing to cost? We're going to force you into that rather than um, giving you the best or, or uh, you know, at least different options. Yeah, that's that's just wild. Uh, investment is time-driven activity-based costing, TDABC. While rarely used in healthcare to date, it is beginning to spread. Where it's being applied, it is helping providers find numerous ways to substantially reduce costs without negatively affecting outcomes and sometimes even approving them. Providers are achieving savings of 25% or more by tapping opportunities such as better capacity utilization, more standardized processes, better matching of personal skills to tasks, locating care in the most cost-effective type of facility, and many others. For example, Virginia Mason found that it costs $4 per minute for an orthopedic surgeon or other procedural specialist to perform a service, $2 for a general internist, and $1 or less for a nurse practitioner or physical therapist. In light of those cost differences, focusing the time of the most expensive staff members on work that utilizes their full skill set is hugely important. So in other words, the, the people, the specialists that are costing the most minute, which America has a lot of, you could be sending a lot of that work to nurse practitioners, physical therapists, Instead of sending it to these higher cost, again, to it's just significant waste, right? You can have a GP right. take care of the more standardized stuff. And yeah, interesting. I like breaking that sort of stuff down because my job, like my business, I, I import and I export, and I'm always looking at ways and you know factoring in uh, the dollars and how I can trim costs constantly. Like that's what I do every yeah. single day. Right? I'm looking at ways. Right. What is the most cost-effective way for me to get that truck on the trailer? Uh, we just figured out from bringing, uh, it costs us on average to bring one vehicle out from out east. It's $2,400 in transportation via a truck, which is across Canada. That is like 30 hours. Now I just figured out that I can do it by train for $1,500, right? Again, too, I, this is just like, Whoa. I'm, not, I'm no genius, but this is just basic cost analysis of how, you know, the medical community should be the same way. So I could yeah, ramble on about that. Well, absolutely. And we're, you know, that brings up the myth of capitalism, right? So the myth yeah. of capitalism that we're told is it provides competition in the marketplace so that you get the best product for the best price. That's right. Well, that's clearly not the case when you have monopolies uh, with phone companies in your case. and monopolies on healthcare in our case here that's right yeah absolutely you know, it's oh go ahead no continue sorry i was just going to say i'm sure we could think of a bunch of other examples but those were two just on the tip of my tongue yeah i i think that capitalism um when you know when properly regulated is a great thing that's why i always look to even more so than my own country you know, I, I'll toot my own horn in here in Canada, but countries that do it even better, in my opinion, are the Scandinavians. They've got much higher healthcare coverage. They've got paternity coverage. Like when a when when a couple decides to have a child, the woman can take off a full year paid. The man can take off a full year paid after that, so she can get back to work. And both their jobs are secure. There's no risk of you losing your job by getting pregnant. Um, so they have great women's rights. Highest happiness ratings, like we said, um, for these these countries are always in the top six. Incredible healthcare coverage; everything is covered. I got a friend in Finland who I talked to. He's like, "Oh, you guys pay for dental? We don't pay for anything. Like everything." And yes, their taxes are higher, but 
but everything is covered, including college, including every type of education is covered too, right? Um, right. They do have, they do encourage these social democratic countries. They do encourage uh, capitalism. But again, it's well-regulated. Like, the, the, and, you know, all you need to do is look to Sweden as one of the examples. They have the highest percentage of entrepreneurs in the world. It's an incredible, wow. I think it's like 40-something percent. Um, not 40 percent, sorry. There, there's, there's, a, there's a very high percentage of entrepreneurs, and they support people. You want to start a business? We're going to help you develop it. We're going to show you interest. We're going to, we're going to guide you along the path. We're going to get you in touch with experts. We're going to help you grow it because they know that by supporting these people, it's going to also improve their own economy. So uh, it just it makes sense. But, you know, even my own country still struggles to find, uh, figure it out. And as I've said before, the best way we can deal with it in both our countries is first to get money out of politics, to stop these lobbyist groups, to get the self-interest groups um, from these companies out of governments and taking away any large donations to our politicians both countries we suffer from it too Amen. i would put a cap i would put a cap on donations to let's say five hundred dollars you do but that would force these politicians to start campaigning with the people again you got to go door to door you got to talk to me you have to find out what the issues are otherwise i'm not giving you money right and right. you know these companies can't uh sway you like in canada or the u.s both countries, we suffer from it too. They don't need to talk to us. They get enough campaign financing from these companies. They never have to do a door knock hardly. Their MPs, yeah. their local MPs do, but not the big, not the big candidates. I agree. Cap campaign, camp, cap campaign contributions at yep. five hundred bucks, and then give every politician equal airtime, and yes. prohibit them from buying airtime, so you can't buy publicity. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a um, big mountain to climb in both countries, but it can be done, and we can force these politicians to try and change this. I was discussing this with another gentleman on here, and he just said it's hopeless. And I just don't believe that. I won't believe that if enough voices get into this, that it will change. Right. So. Well, I don't think it's hopeless either. And if it is hopeless, then we're hopeless. And then what's the point of getting out of the bed to out of bed tomorrow? We might as well exactly. all just go jump off a bridge. So I'm an optimist, partially because I have to be, you know, um, I want to live tomorrow. So to do that, you got to be somewhat of an optimist. Otherwise, you're just going to be depressed as hell or drinking yourself to sleep every night. Right. Exactly. Um, I wanted to touch on quickly on. There's another myth, right? You mentioned the Scandinavian companies and our countries and their superior healthcare, education, basically social services in general. Right. And one myth that I've heard before is, well, those countries are smaller, so it's easier to do. It's actually the opposite because it's tax paying taxpayers' money that funds these things. That's so the right. smaller a country is, the harder it is to do these things, yep. right? People really have to pull together, and their taxes are even higher. So these people, right. it, it, it's actually very impressive that they're as wealthy as they are because these people have actually less to spend, but everything is taken care of. And there's like, there's a, there's a, there's a concern, there's an empathy, there's a, there's a care for your common man there. 
that you know that true capitalism run rampant uh, doesn't seem to encourage, right? But when you when you when you care about everybody at the bottom as well as on the top, where people can succeed, they can rise, they can make money. You, you see just this really really great blend of success and uh, you know care. Care is the word I'm looking for. People care about each other over there, right? And I think actually there's I'm going to look this up. I'm gonna. It's it's a it's a it's a word used by the Scandinavians, and I believe it's um yeah here it is. Oh, eyes. Jeez. Oh, sorry, if you yeah, want to care for your fe- care for your fellow countrymen and human. Imagine that with the uh, with the atrocities, the epidemic of atrocities that we're experiencing here in the U.S. We could sure use a lot more care for our fellow man and woman. You know. Yeah. So the Scandinavian countries like in Denmark and Sweden, it's called it's it's H-Y-G-G-E, but it's actually pronounced Hyuga. And in brief, Hyuga is about taking time away from the daily rush to be together with people you care about or even by yourself to relax and enjoy life's quieter pleasures. It dates back to around um, it's it's about focusing on the small things, taking time for yourself. And it's a cultural thing that these people believe in. Um, And why it's so important is that it has really created like a togetherness as a society for themselves. They believe in Hyuga because Mm -hmm. they as a society think that it's important to take care of each other, uh, create a warmer atmosphere amongst each other. Um, Stephen says, it's difficult to explain. In brief, Hyuga is about t- taking time away from the daily rush to be together. Uh, it is often about informal time together with family or close friends. And it's also, I think that's in Denmark, but in Sweden, it's related to uh, like healthy society, right? And they generally believe it, that a healthy society is how we're going to succeed. And it seems to be working for them. So I always found that interesting. I, I couldn't agree more. The first thing I thought of when you when you mentioned that was a sauna, right? Taking time to be quiet, do something healthy. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that's they they really focus on a lot of these. I think we're getting actually a Nordic in near my city. We're getting a Nordic spa nearby, which I would love to go to. Um, it's it's uh, exactly that. It's the 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 warm tubs, the hot saunas, the you know the massage. I haven't been to massage in forever, but yeah, I'd love to start taking time for myself that way. Uh, I think it's important. Yeah. Actually, Rick's was talking today too about finding somebody. It's very important, like she said to uh, she's mentioned it today. You know, taking time out in nature too. I have in the last few years, especially, really really enjoy my walks around. Uh, and I'm so blessed to be where I am, too. I really do love Canada. I used to want to just move away, but it's so beautiful here. There's so many. I'm, I'm 20 minutes away from the Rockies. Uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful nature. You drive into there, you're going to see mountain goats, bears, just even on the road, on the highway. Like, there's so much wildlife and nature here. Yeah, I'm really trying to take my time and enjoy those moments and getting out, too. Yeah. It's important. important. Yeah, nature is my church. It's really restorative. Um, Just before our talk, I went for a little bike ride. I live in a fairly, you know, metropolitan area. It's not a city, but it's, you know, 100,000 people. 
but there's a beautiful uh, walking and biking trail that winds along a creek. And it's just a wonderful little escape from reality, you know. California is beautiful. My mom, that's where, so I said I'm half American. My mom's from Sacramento. So, yeah, I've been down there plenty of times. It's so beautiful. Yeah, but, I, you know, there's those little pockets of, of beauty any everywhere in the world. I believe everywhere in the world you can find a pocket of beauty and you can find cool people. Absolutely. Firm believer in that. Well, this has been a fantastic talk, my friend. Yeah, I was uh, just seeing if there's anything else that I missed here, but uh, I think that was a great talk. Was there anything else to add? I don't have any more articles. I'm sure I could bring up dozens more, but I think that's pretty good for the evening. Yeah, no, I think we I think we covered it pretty well. Um, we I think we dispelled the myth that that we Americans down here have been uh, have been raised with, and you know, let let some people hear the truth. Hopefully, people will replay this and 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 hear that. Um, one thing yeah. I wanted to say also is um, it's it cracks me up how how you know people here call themselves Americans because you're in America, you're in North America, Mexico's yeah. in North America. Um, so, so that 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 always has always cracked me up. You know. Yeah, I. Um, I, I find that interesting too, you know, it's, uh, but it, and you know what, that's why when I was talking about, um, gun, uh, we we're talking about gun registration, there were some, Jeff, we were having a debate about it a couple of weeks or a week ago and some gentlemen were saying, well, you're from Canada, you know, it's totally different. I'm like, guys, demographically, economically, um, geographically, we are very, very similar. And I think that some Americans don't realize that, too. And also, too, I would point out 92% of all Canadians live 150 miles from the U.S. border. 92%. We almost all live, like, right right near the border. So, you know, yeah, we we are very intrinsically connected to you. Our entire economy is connected to you. So, yeah, I think it's always really important to use us as a baseline even though we are different but we are very similar i mean i've been over the border dozens of times dozens of times and uh, i think people especially americans would be surprised if they came up here like oh this is very similar right it's very very similar yeah. just kind of slightly different things but it wouldn't be a drastic change to come up here for a lot of them i don't think they would be that surprised yeah i agree and, you know, but that's that's more of the myth of American exceptionalism, right? Yeah. Um, and America centrist thinking, right? That that we are the center of the universe, and we're not. You know, we got to re- got to remember we're one of the newest countries, um, yeah. and m- maybe we don't have it all figured out. And it couldn't hurt to look around and see what other countries are doing and how it's working. Well, and that's just it. Like America has been the leader and the inspiration for so many years, right? I wanted to move there for the longest time. And then when I got, I got older as an adult, I realized, oh my God, I am very happy where I am because of healthcare, because of certain things that, about gun violence too. I'm, I, maybe I'm being, you know, kind of uh, dramatic, but it would be concerning for me to send my child to a school in America. I, I'm just being flat out honest, right? Like there are certain things now that, I wouldn't feel comfortable living there. And I wish that, you know, 
I wish for the Americans that wanted to change that they say that they they like yourselves are open to you know saying we we must yeah, not be doing something right here right with our health exactly control. We can do better. We can always do better. Yeah, but uh, Americans can. I mean, that's the thing. Is like it's so it's hilarious. There are so many amazing things that Americans should be proud of, and they can be proud of. But yeah, I think there are some things that some sort of pride or ego or maybe just simple propaganda has stopped a lot of Americans from believing that, you know, maybe they're even, I mean, I think what Americans should focus on is, well, we've already got great health care. Sure you do, but you're still getting gypped. You're getting ripped off by your own government and you should be mad about that. That should be the thing you're mad about rather than having this right. ego about having such great health care. Sure, it's great, but you're paying way more than everybody else. Exactly. Exactly. And that, I believe, can change with enough public input. Absolutely. Well, that might be a good place to wrap it, huh? It's been fantastic talking with you. Jay Mack. Much love, man. This has been a blast. We'll do it again, I guess. We should pick up another topic, I guess, too. But Absolutely. I would like that. Yeah, okay. who knows? Maybe we could go down the education rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, I actually, I don't know much about the differences in it, so I'd be interested to do a little studying on that, too. We should do that. Yeah, I just know that that's a, another huge source of debt here in the U.S., um, is you yeah. know, college debt. I believe you're about to hit $1 trillion in student debt. I think you're about to hit that very soon, if I'm not mistaken. We'll look that up, but wow. I was reading something the other day that uh, it's about to hit a trillion in the next year or two. So, I mean, they actually said that if, if, if forgiven, it would create one of the largest economic booms in America ever because all these students would suddenly be able to put more money back into the economy instead of spending it on just uh, uh, student debt. So, fascinating. Uh, yeah, there we go. We'll do, we'll do that. So, it would be a net gain. That's right. Yeah, let's do definitely. We'll uh, we'll coordinate and try and see if we can put something together for that. Sounds great. Well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, May the Poet, Lolly B, Rickson. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks, thank folks. you, J Mac. This has been a fantastic talk. And thank you thank to anybody you. who listens in the future. Yeah, thank you very much. Talk to you soon. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. If you're digging what I'm doing, picking up what I'm throwing down, please do share with friends and on social media. Until next time, keep on digging for the truth.